Hello, and welcome back to the e-commerce talk. Today, we have another one of those exciting and informative episodes. Yes, today we're talking all about persuasive e-commerce. I'm really excited to introduce today's guest, Hido Janssen. He's the host of the CRO Cafe podcast. He's a psychologist. He's worked in the e-commerce industry for many years, but I won't go on too much about Hido because I'd love to give him the opportunity to introduce himself and to talk more about what he does. Yeah, Hello, thanks for, for having me on the show. Thanks. Um, yeah, indeed. Uh, I have a background in uh, applied cognitive psychology. I uh, studied uh, in, in Utrecht, uh, in the Netherlands. And uh, that had nothing to do with online, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, it, it does have a lot to do with online nowadays, but uh, when I studied at uh, university, uh, uh, well, they, they hadn't caught up with things online, I guess. <laughs> I mean, we had email, <laughs> but uh, the study content didn't have that much to do with online, but that all everything to do with how human beings navigate the world around them, uh, whether that's wayfinding at an airport, uh, making sure people walk into the right room in a nuclear reactor, or uh, how you write stuff, uh, how do you uh, copywriting or uh, general general ways to make life easier um, based on the cognitive abilities that we have. Uh, for example, a daily struggle that I have and you might recognize as a listener, um, if if you uh, uh, put put some um, or if if you're cooking and you want uh, to put something on the stove, usually uh, those are arranged in a square form, right? But the buttons on on the front of it are in a line. So which button belongs to which which pit? I, I'm always very confused about this. <laughs> um, that's, a, that's a prime example in your household of things that cognitive psychologists think about, okay, how can we make this better? Or uh, a, a ticketing machine at, at, uh, at the train, how can we make this in a way basically that people make less mistakes so you understand what's going on? Um, so that's my background. Uh, I always worked in, uh, in e-commerce. Uh, I, I started out uh, just as a regular, uh, as, as a project manager for, for e-commerce that didn't have that much to do with, uh, with my background in psychology, but more and more, I got, I got more and more interested in, in the marketing parts, uh, in the parts that's the, 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 the things that happen after a webshop goes live. And then of course, a lot of that psychology uh, turns up again. Uh, so my, it makes my uh, my mother very happy that I'm still very doing doing things that are based on my my, my college degree. <laughs> um, yeah, and basically, it's it's about making that connection between technology uh, and people. Yeah. So nice. and and in the past years, so I worked in e-commerce e a lot. Uh, I've done a lot of things with uh, with Magento. I mean, the Magento uh, board, uh, an international board that takes care of the Magento community. Um, I've been involved with uh, uh, with with Ciro a lot. Uh, if you don't, if you're not familiar with the terms about conversion rate optimization, uh, the, the term is a bit <laughs> and not completely saying what we do. It's it's not only about conversion rates, uh, but it's basically about the whole industry that that's focused on optimizing uh, digital experiences. Uh, and I also have a podcast uh, about that, uh, which is the, the Ciro Cafe, which is now since yeah, since the beginning of 2019, uh, currently about 140 episodes. So that's that's going well. That's uh, that's very stressful to do a podcast. So uh, I've, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, all, all kudos to to everyone, uh, anyone that's that tries to do a podcast. So uh, 
Yeah. Super impressive. (laughs) Episodes. Congrats. We'll get there one day, Kat. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, we will. I, yeah, just, I just, just keep like a... inviting people and spamming people. That's, that's oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't worry. <laughs> just, we do that just, all the time. I, I just record every conversation I have with anyone. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I just like that's a out of interest, like um, this whole field of like persuasion, who would be like one of your inspirations for persuasive e-commerce or a guru love? Um, well, there are a lot of people uh, working in this field and 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 uh, breaking way for for what we are doing. I, I think uh, basically for everyone working in this field, uh, the, the main guru guru is uh, Daniel Kahneman, uh, also won, won a Nobel Prize as a, um, a psychologist uh, and the Nobel Prize for economics. Um, making way for doing this, for make, making way for um, adding psychology to economic processes. Before it was, okay, human beings, we are very logical, we make logical decisions. Well, we don't. <laughs> and basically he, he, he really got the, the, the field to change, I, I think. Uh, at least just think about it uh, way more. Um, and then of course there are a lot of people also that I, that I speak in the podcast that do amazing stuff in the field uh, that maybe not that familiar but are doing great research and 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 uh, some companies like uh, like Booking.com, a famous one in the, from the Netherlands uh, that are famous for their uh, their experimentational approach to to basically everything. Um, so those are those are definitely the inspirations um, uh, the inspirational stories out there. Nice. So if we could just take one quick step backwards, because could you explain exactly what persuasive e-commerce is? Um, well, we were speaking of inspirational people. Uh, one of them is uh, BJ Fogg, which is uh, he's, a, he's a researcher. Um, he, he put out some uh, some nice models about uh, how we behave. And he has a nice, def- it's not the definition of persuasion, but I think it's a nice one. Uh, and it's persuasion is an attempt to change attitudes, behaviors, or both without using coercion or deception. So breaking that down a bit, um, uh, you want to change either how people think about things or change their actual behavior, uh, whatever they're they're doing, uh, or a combination of those. But you don't necessarily want to to force people to do something, right? It's, it's more about nudging uh, nudging uh, people to do something. There's there's a big gray area where people also don't know what what to do or where to go or whatever. Uh, some people's minds are made up. Uh, I either do A or B, and that's fine. And there's very little that someone with persuasion can do about that. If 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 someone's mind is made up, it's very hard to change people's minds. Uh, but for a lot of things, you might not know if you're going to go for A or for B. And if you're in that gray area, if that's where your customers, for example, are, then that those are people that you can definitely uh, change the minds of. Um, very practical example, people that you won't be able to change your mind in, for example, B2B, uh, a lot of B2B situations, people have agreements with companies. Okay, I'm going to buy my wrapping paper <laughs> uh, from you guys. And if you're the other company, you can be very persuasive to the person buying the wrapping paper uh, from your competitor, but they have agreements. <laughs> They're going to stick with them for the next two or three years. You can be very persuasive. But it's not going to work because they're they're like an immovable object at that point in time. Maybe in a couple of years, but at that point, it doesn't uh, make that much sense. Um, 
not not a comparison that might help. Um, uh, we also talk a lot about usability uh, versus uh, persuasion. Usability is more about removing friction, uh, so making things easier. Uh, and persuasion is more about increasing the motivation. And of course, you need both. Uh, something can be very easy, but uh, if I don't want to do it, <laughs> uh, there's still not, not going to be an effect. I'm still not going to buy do or, or do something. Um, uh, but if, if, if it's very easy, you only need a small nudge uh, to get someone to actually uh, do it or buy it. Uh, but if, it's, if something is inherently very difficult to do, uh, well, you might need some more motivation um, than, than, than uh, in a regular situation. So you need to mo put more effort in that. If you cannot make, make things easier, uh, you might put more focus, might want to put more focus on the, on the persuasive part. But it's, it's, a, it's a play interplay between both of them. Um, and I always say when I do a presentation about about uh, persuasion, uh, you can be very persuasive, but please, the the core is you need to make things that people want instead of make people want things. Uh, it's it's way easier if you just have a product that people want to begin with, and then try to be persuasive. But if 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 your if the core of your product or service if the if that's broken basically, you're not gonna fix that with 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 persuasion. Um, I once did a did a workshop uh, with with uh, with people from um, an insurance company in the Netherlands, and they so they came to a workshop about persuasive e-commerce. Uh, so they wanted to be more persuasive. Uh, but and I went to the to their website before the workshop, and um, blank page didn't work um, because I didn't use www before there. <laughs> <laughs> domain name. So without it didn't work. And that's just a simple example of, okay, then on a technical level, you're already missing out on traffic. Um, uh, and people are not reaching your website. And if, if they're not even on your website, your website can be very persuasive, but if they're not there, that's not going to work. So you need to be, there, there are steps to take uh, in, in a certain order. It doesn't have to be perfect, uh, but you don't necessarily start with uh, with the persuasive part. It need, the core needs to be uh, needs to be correct. Um, and I think uh, no, no, my final example of, uh, about uh, what persuasion is, um, and, and especially about the, the timing of persuasion and and being there, being persuasive when when uh, when someone is susceptible to it. Um, a couple of years ago, I was in uh, San Francisco. Um, I was there. I, I got a, so I, I told you I did some things with uh, Magento. Uh, Magento back then was uh, part of uh, eBay, and I got an award of, of community building uh, for for Magento, uh, which has nothing to do with the story. But I just like to show off. But anyway, but I was in San Francisco, um, and I was walking around the streets. I think it was just my, my second time there. Uh, walking around, I think with the large buildings, my GPS was really working, so I was a bit lost uh standing at a corner didn't know where to go and then this this guy started talking to me and he, he gave me all this free advice he told me okay if you want to go shopping you should go uh that way there's a great uh, shopping area you can find some nice uh, stuff um for either yourself or if you want to buy a gift for your girlfriend you should, you should go there they have some nice nice items uh if you want if you want to have some nice food go over there there's a restaurant area um oh if you go out at night don't go into that neighborhood don't walk that way you're gonna get mugged um so we were talking like like five to ten minutes and then he asked me hey i'm homeless 
uh, I would like to go to the other side of the city. Would you like to pay my metro tickets for me? And I was I was happy to do something for him <laughs> because he was giving me all this free advice that I didn't ask for, that I feel at the moment was very relevant for me. Then I actually I wanted to do something back for him. And that's what persuasion is all, all about, being there at the right time, the right moment, and then it can be really powerful uh, mm -hmm. to ab apply these uh, techniques. So then would you say that persuasion marketing or e-commerce is um, is reactive and not proactive? Oh, it can be both. Sure, sure. I, I, it's, a, it's an interplay of, of, of things, right? Um, and uh, the homeless guy was definitely proactive. <laughs> I, the the <laughs> yeah. persuasive part is that he, he started giving me all these things uh, that I didn't ask for. And mm -hmm. that was the proactive uh, part. And then uh, the, the feeling that that he gave me was okay. I, I need to do something back for him because <laughs> he's giving me all this free stuff. Um, and and a similar similar thing happens when, well, for example, if, if you uh, uh, if you ask, well, Samantha, if if you ask Katharina uh, to to help move houses, um, so Samantha's moving, Katharina's helping. Um, in two months, Katharina found found a new house. And she needs help moving, and she asks Samantha, "What? What if Samantha says no?" <laughs> I'd be a terrible friend. <laughs> Would that yeah. be socially acceptable? <laughs> Probably no. not. No. Uh, so there are a lot of those those things that 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 are, or or behaviors that are ingrained in our society, the way we work, and some of them are are reactive. Some of them are are. are um, are, are more, uh, um, yeah, the way we, the way we uh, do business, and others are more, uh, more active. Yeah. Really nice. So I think we have a lot of context of what it is. I really like the, also including the Booking.com experience because I know they're very persuasive to me. <laughs> <laughs> one, one room left. Oh my God, yeah. book now. I know I, I get. I, I think they had a hard time uh, last the past six months though. Oh yeah, that's another uh, no. example. It, it it is very easy. It's very persuasive, but there can still be outside factors that that can uh, impact your business. Definitely. So, could you maybe explain how B two B companies can use persuasive techniques on their web store to persuade people to buy? Um, yeah, there, there there are a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of ways of of uh, of doing this. If if you go to uh, Wikipedia, there are, uh, I think there are roughly well at least over 500. I think it's it's, it's close getting closer to to 700 uh, cognitive biases that we have. So and cognitive bias is, is like um, a mistake that that our brain makes in making decisions. Uh, your brain makes some assumptions, makes some mistakes, and that's what we call uh, a cognitive bias. Um, I think definitely the the most popular ones that are being applied uh, come from the book of uh, uh, Robert Cialdini. Uh, he wrote this book. Um, uh, I think it came out in 1982 or 83. So similar to my uh, college background, there was no internet in there. <laughs> in there. Um, so he, he bas basically he did a, a meta study. So he looked at a lot of, well, he did some research in, uh, himself too, but he looked at a lot of other research papers and include that and see, hey, okay, what are the most persuasive things that basically salespeople uh, apply and uh, are successful with? 
And the ones he came he came up with are uh, reciprocity, uh, consistency, scarcity, authority, social proof, liking. Those are the, the famous six from his uh, first book. And then uh, 30 years later, he thought, well, let's write, write another book. <laughs> Let, let's add a number seven, and that is uh, unity. Um, I, th I think most people are very familiar with, with most of them. Maybe if, if you're not familiar with the term, you're at least uh, familiar with, uh, with the principle. Uh, I can quickly go through them if you want. Yeah, please. Um, so the first one, uh, reciprocity, is basically the story of the guy uh, in San Francisco giving me all this free advice. So uh, give something away for free, you build up the feeling, okay, I need to do something uh, back for you. So if you if the customer feels like they owe you, then that's a good that's a good situation uh, to be in. Uh, consistency is about um, uh, being there, uh, being consistent in, in the way you present. Uh, similar with your personal brand, you don't go to the office as a hippie in one day uh, and, and a three-piece suit the other day, uh, uh, paint your hair yellow one day and then green another day and be completely normal the, the, the day after. Um, that's that's usually also not how brands function. So you need to be consistent uh, in the messages that you have, and and everything needs to be basically that's the term on brand. <laughs> uh, that, that's that's what consistency is uh, is about. Scarcity basically that's very simple. I mean, if if there's less of something, we want it more. Uh, I, th I think we all experienced toilet paper shortages <laughs> past uh, well half a year ago. That's there there was no shortage shortage in in toilet paper, but if people perceive a, sh a shortage, uh, we go hoarding. Uh, authority is about uh, uh, a specific uh, person or a company um, having a, a, a talking about something. So it can be like a famous person, like a famous singer or a famous uh, a sports person uh, endorsing another brand. You see a lot of uh, like like David Beckham uh, promoting UNICEF, for, for example. Uh, so there's no no inherent link between those two, but hey. Uh, so now there are people watching football like B David Beckham or the club he plays for. Uh, oh, maybe, hey, UNICEF, I don't know. Maybe I need to look into that. So there's there's the association that brands want to want to make. Uh, and that's that's about authority. Social proof is basically um, um, authority, but um, uh, in a way broader spectrum. It's, it's not necessarily about a specific person, but it's more about uh, the bigger group um, uh, showing social proof. So if everyone's on Facebook, I should probably be there. It's, it's probably good. Or if every, everyone's buying XYZ or if everyone is, is uh, booking holidays on Airbnb, it's probably good. I don't know, but everyone's doing it and they probably thought about it. So let's try it. That's social proof. Uh, liking is about um, uh, basically liking is, is uh, liking by association. So uh, if my friend really likes a certain brand, uh, he, he's, he's a big fan of, of uh, I don't know, Samsung TVs. <laughs> um, um, that That's very powerful. If, if I have friends for a brand, that's very powerful to have people endorsing your brand, having uh, these uh, e basically evangelists for your brand. Uh, and unity, uh, the last one is very similar to liking, uh, I think, it, but it's more about the group feeling uh, that you have. So, okay, you, you can you can speak to a, a group of dog owners or 
or you can even and then even put in the contrast between dog owners versus cat owners. You can play off that uh, those differences and use that uh, for your brand. So those those are basically the the, the six or seven most well-known principles you can apply. What's interesting to me is I feel like you just explained influencer marketing. <laughs> like through the last like the last four influence uh steps are yeah True. yeah and, and maybe it's just as a small note you, you specifically asked uh, to b2b i don't think there's a there's a huge difference between uh b2b and uh uh b2c i mean still you humans uh, that you that you try to sell to and so in terms of behavior and, and cognitive biases those are very similar um I do think so. Like I just said, there might be other uh, factors at play that you cannot necessarily fix. So, uh, which are that in B two B, it's not my personal money that I'm spending. So that's that's a different uh, thing you need to uh, consider. And um, like I said, there there are, there might be contracts there, uh, bigger contracts or or just a contract that that lasts for a while and that you cannot really fight. Uh, it, it's not very useful to try to persuade the person buying from you because they're not making the decisions to buy from you. Interesting. So can would you say it's good for B2B companies to use these seven methods to then apply it on their web store to influence customers? Yeah, definitely. So, so, but, but what you need to know is are people influenceable? Yeah. <laughs> Basically, and sense and uh, and still um, uh, maybe it, for B2B, the, the the runway is longer. The effect is uh, is, is more long term uh, in that uh, if you and, and that's both for usability and persuasion, persuasion, people um, that buy from you B2B, they're also used to B2C environments. So if you have a really crappy B2B environment that they don't like, uh, maybe today they, they're still buying from you because they're forced to buy from you. Uh, they have contracts to do this. But when the decision comes that they need to reevaluate your contract and they can choose between you and the other company that has a, a very persuasive marketing and uh, has yeah. a very user-friendly uh, tool to do this, uh, then you might have a problem. So it, it's, it doesn't uh, necessarily have an effect today. I mean, in, in B2C, it can have a, an effect on the short term, uh, but B2B, the, those effects are a bit more long-term. Yeah, long-term, probably because they have like, they're very long-lasting relationships with each other. Yeah, hopefully. So, <laughs> hopefully, yeah. yeah. And, and there, there are still a lot of, uh, I mean, also with B2B, I mean, you can also um, have like a SaaS product uh, marketing to freelancers or something, and you might not have those contracts, but it's still B2B. And then it can make a, still it can make a big difference uh, how you persuade those customers. They are persuadable. Uh, they can just say, oh, okay, shit, I, I don't, I really don't like this CRM tool anymore. I need to look for something else. They can, they can more easily switch. That might, a lot of those uh, SaaS companies, especially, they have uh, monthly monthly billing, and you can change your contract whenever. So for those companies with short-term contracts, uh, it, it's way more interesting and way more valuable to do this. Yeah. Yeah, I was just going to ask. I think you kind of answered it there, but maybe if there's anything else you want to add to it, is do you see any distinct differences in the way that a B two B company would approach this as opposed to maybe a B two C company that you've seen? Um, well. I think B2B companies usually have it a bit easier in that uh, you usually have a very clear image of who your target audience is. Uh, in, in terms of B2, B2C, 
it's usually way broader and and you don't necessarily know uh, it's, it's harder to reach with B2B. It's usually the, the, the people that are already in your database. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you want to sell more to them. Um, and that in that way, it's easier. It's usually a, a stricter defined target audience, uh, and, and that makes it easier to do the research, uh, to do user research, to invite people uh, for surveys, invite them uh, um, uh, uh, maybe to come to your office or, come, or ask a research company to do research into uh, your target audience to find out what their biggest issues are and uh, the biggest, uh, um, yeah, basically the things that you can solve for them. Definitely. So, how do you how do you see companies communicating with their cu- customers now? And do you think that that the e-commerce industry is going to change over the next five years, particularly due to the fact that this year has already quite changed um, a lot of how we're communicating with each other? Yeah. <laughs> well, I I hope there uh, will be uh, m- more personalization. Uh, I mean, that's that's been a hot topic for a couple of years now, uh, but but more and more companies are are becoming better at that. And I I see emails on or not I see messages on on LinkedIn and Twitter daily from people receiving those blast emails or g- generic marketing saying, okay, I just gave you uh, basically all the information about me, who I am, and my life, and I had this whole questionnaire, and the next day I get this. Um, uh, super random email from you uh, promoting a product that's not even meant for me. Uh, how 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 is this happening? Um, so it will be more and more one-on-one marketing, uh, hopefully, uh, and hopefully a lot of uh, tools that develop in a way that that support that uh, can can be a lot of uh, machine learning uh, that can that can help us uh, do that. Uh, and and hopefully let us learn uh, about creating those measures. The, the difficulty with many of the current machine learning tools out there is that they are they're a bit of a black box. So they they optimize something. Uh, they, what they optimize is is who you deliver it to, not necessarily what the input is. So uh, for example, I can create ten different messages with ten different uh, persuasive tech, uh, techniques, and they send it out uh, to your audience and test where which audience segments. Uh, is most susceptible to your your techniques, uh, which is fine. But those those uh, machine learning algorithms don't usually change those ten inputs that you, <laughs> that you have. And that's what you need. That's what I mean. It's a it's a black black box. You need the information from your customers. What are they? What do they actually want? And um, uh, that's something that that needs to develop. Uh, and I hope that uh, that that will develop in the next five to ten years. Um, I think that that could be a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely agree that personalization is, I mean, it's here. And if, if you're not doing it, like you're, you're certainly lagging behind in a lot of ways, but do you think that there's also value in a one-to-many approach, for instance, like in a guerrilla marketing approach or something along those lines? As, as with, with everything, I mean, as long as it works, uh, go for it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but it's probably not the most uh, effective way of doing it, and that's that's very similar to what I see a lot of companies do. With uh, when I come on board at a lot of companies uh, promoting uh, CRO or at least promoting uh, more focus on optimizing the website, a lot of those companies spend tons of money getting traffic, 
uh, maybe not even tons, maybe millions of uh, ton, millions of uh, euros or dollars uh, going to Google, uh, usually AdWords, to get traffic to your website. And they're not even spending 1% of that on, their, on improving their website and finding out where people get stuck on their website. And that's an insane um, uh, balance that there is there. That, that's, that's not a healthy balance. You need both. You need, you, you, of course, you need the traffic. And, to, and a similar answer to those companies. Sure, if, if you're still making more money by buying more traffic, please be my guest to go for it. Uh, is it the most efficient way? No, uh, spend spend 20% um, uh, of that money or well, ideally a bit more to just optimize your website. And uh, as soon as you stop paying Google, the traffic is gone. Uh, but as soon as you stop optimizing your website, your website is still optimized. People will still continue to, to like what they see there for at least a while. <laughs> I mean, there's there's some degradation there because uh, competitors will be there. Markets change. Uh, a pandemic happens. Uh, of course, things things are continuously changing, but it's it's way more long term. You learn stuff from your customer that are way more impactful than uh, spending millions uh, uh, in in AdWords. Knowing your audience is key. It's very yeah. nice. Well. Um, I, Hito, I think you've given our listeners a lot of perspective into the field of e uh, persuasive e-commerce. If you could give our listeners one tip on how to succeed by using persuasive marketing techniques, what would it be? Um, so with all these techniques and also when you when you read the book from from Cialdini and there are um, there are search engines out there for, to look for the uh, for persuasive uh, uh, techniques and there are even um, uh, like like the wheel of persuasion, uh, where you can just give it a swing, and there will be a persuasive technique uh, uh, rolling out. Uh, th those imply that this is a bit of a, a random thing. Just just apply social proof, or just apply authority, or just apply X Y Z, and it's it's not that random. Uh, so my my tip would be, do your user research. Invite people uh, over, um, or invite a company get a company to do the user research uh, uh, for you. Uh, just just a couple of hundred dollars out of your AdWords budget, and use that to to find that uh, that spot that you're that you're missing right now. It's it's a combination usually uh, between uh, qualitative and quantitative research. Um, usually, most most companies have Google Analytics on their website, so you already have that covered. Uh, so you 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 can at least if you do the analysis, you you have a, a decent idea of who your audience is there and uh, where they get stuck. Uh, but you have no Google Analytics is not going to tell you why they get stuck. They don't they don't show the emotion and and uh, what people uh, feel when they see your website, uh, or even before they get to your website. What what do they see? Why do they click on your page in Google in the, in the search results or not? Uh, that's what you want to know. That's uh, that's so powerful uh, to figure that out. If you do that on a consistent basis, and it's 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 a big surprise to me that not a lot of companies are doing this. It's very easy to do. Um, uh, I mean, there are definitely techniques, and you need to uh, be. Uh, there, there are different ways of doing uh, doing user research, but as compared to a lot of other things, it's not that difficult. It's relatively cheap, uh, and if you do that consistently, it brings brings tons of value. Uh, and and then if you know that, if you know where people get stuck, uh, then you can apply those uh, those techniques. 
uh, roughly, if you I just mentioned there, there are over 700 um, uh, biases on on Wikipedia. Roughly, there are four four categories where people get stuck. Uh, there's there can be too much information. There's too little information. Uh, the third one is uh, that people are under pressure to act fast. Uh, I need this product today or even tomorrow. Uh, there's a baby coming. Shit, I, I still need X, Y, Z. Or uh, we get an, a dog tomorrow or I don't know. Uh, there's a need to act fast, a need, whatever. And the fourth one is um, that uh, your brain needs to decide what to remember. So those four categories are the main categories, the main things that, you, that you'll see people getting stuck on. And then you can can uh, start thinking, okay, what, what are the techniques? And you can find that on Wikipedia. What are the techniques that can help me take uh, compensate for those issues that we have uh, and take things to the next level? And, and uh, user research is a combination, right? It's not only persuasion, it's also usability. And again, if people are getting stuck on your website or not even getting to your website because uh, some information in Google uh, is wrong, Go fix that first. Don't 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 try to be very persuasive if they're not even getting to your website in the first place. I think that's the most valuable, yeah, information. Yeah, yeah you heard it here first. Fix your website. <laughs> <laughs> fix it first. Great. Yeah, I have a lot of topics in the in the in the podcast too. People talking about fixing basics, um, and that's that's a, I think a recurring uh, theme there too. Because we we come across a lot of companies that don't have those basics fixed. And like I said, persuasion is like one of the things in on, on uh, in the top of the pyramid. Um, and in in terms of uh, it can be very powerful. But if again, if if things uh, uh, lower on the pyramid. Uh, are not fixed, like the technique or the functionality, or you don't even offer products that people want. Uh, it's not going to be the most effective uh, thing uh, to spend your time on. But if those are, those things are sort of uh, fixed, or uh, if they, those are okay, then persuasion can be very powerful. But uh, yeah, do your user research. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right. I think oh. those were all of our questions. Thank Good. you so much for joining the show, Hido, <laughs> and giving us so much insights into persuasive e-commerce. I think the main key takeaway is fix your basics first, and then you can go go on to using persuasive e-commerce yeah. techniques. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All Definitely. right. Yeah. Thanks again, Hito. Um, as always, if you have any questions on today's episode or if you'd like to hear more from one of our speakers, feel free to reach out to us at ecommerce talk at sauna-commerce.com. And don't forget to subscribe to the ecommerce talk on Spotify or your podcast streaming service of choice. Yeah. And, uh, and have, reach reach out to you. For me, I'm, <laughs> I'm happy to uh, um, to ask to to answer any questions. Uh, you can find me on uh, LinkedIn or Twitter. Uh, on my personal website is uh, gui.do, so just my first name with a dot uh, between the I and L and the D. Uh, and the podcast can be found on zero.cafe, uh, and we also have a nice community on uh, on Facebook with a lot of helpful people um, that can uh, can help you guide the way, either basics or persuasion. Sounds good. Might need to join that Facebook group now. Yeah, yeah you should. I know, definitely. <laughs>
and listen to all your episodes because you have a hundred. I've listened to well, a few, I, but I, I would I wouldn't advise anyone to just listen to start listening to all of them. But just <laughs> pick pick the topics that you like, right? Uh, you need to, you need to keep yourself motivated too. <laughs> I, I don't think it's motivational to see a list of uh, one hundred forty episodes as a, as a as a to do list. <laughs> but, no. but there are there are quite some gems in there, and um, if you if you pick uh, pick a couple of that you like, uh, there's definitely uh, something uh, in there. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for Thank joining you. us today. Let's get, get to, to talking, talking about e-commerce. E